Tyler's message is the puzzle. Does anybody in here like to put puzzles together? That's the biggest waste of time in the entire universe, I want to tell you that this morning. <laughs> no offense. It's just my opinion. Man, oh, man. I, I, I'd almost rather go to the dentist. Now, that's pretty sad, to be honest with you. But my wife loves puzzles, and uh, she usually has one going on. And we got a special table in the living room for puzzles, and I usually don't. Uh, I like to walk by it is all. And she likes the big ones, thousand piece. I like pictures with eight. I like puzzles with eight or ten. That and has a little more, but that's, you know, 12. But nonetheless, my favorite are the four piece puzzles made out of wood and they got dowel rods in them to pick the pieces up. And you ever seen those? Those are my favorite. But nonetheless, uh, she likes them. She great, takes great satisfaction in getting down to the end and putting that last piece in. And there have been times, Diana, I wanted to hide the last piece just to see your reaction. And here's the danger behind that. She puts a puzzle together and it's not all there. It goes in the trash. Hey, if you can't pleat this puzzle, nobody's messing with it. And off she goes. So we bought some at a Goodwill one time. That kind of that's what she did with it. And then Ginger, uh, my brother-in-law's wife, she glues them together and hangs them on the wall sometimes. So that's kind of cool. Our lives as followers of Christ are, are like puzzles. And that first piece comes in your life when you bow your knee and your heart to Christ and you accept him into your life to kind of take over the control. So that you've got this big border, but then that, that is the first piece that is put in it. And then as you grow, more pieces are added. And as a relationship to Christ um, grows piece after piece starts to take shape, and the puzzle starts to take shape. The more time we spend with him, more pieces are added. When we start to read and study the Scripture, another piece is added. Spend more time in prayer, more pieces are added. And then in 301 that we offer here in life development, when you discover your shape, you discover your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experience, and how these fit together in your spiritual life, and the pieces start to, to take shape a little bit. And as you grow... Your actions and your speech changes. You're not the same person. I hope you're not the same person that you was when you started this journey with God and with Christ. I, I hope people can see a difference in you, actually. You learn to give Jesus more of your time, your talent, and your treasures. Pieces are added. That last piece won't be added till he stops your heart and we move out of this place and go somewhere else, heaven, hopefully. Realize life of Christ was like ours. He... It was worked out. It was put together like a puzzle. The first piece has always been there. It was eternal because Jesus Christ is part of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then all the pieces of prophecy foretold about him in the Old Testament, 353 prophecies actually. Then his birth, his baptism, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. And all these major pieces, and between the major pieces were smaller pieces that were fit in. So during Holy Week... Jesus' puzzle is starting to be finished, especially the pieces that fit uh, while he was on this earth, while he walked this earth. One such, such piece is our text this morning, a piece of Jesus' life, and it's an intricate piece for our life puzzle as well. In John 21, 15 through 17, after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Once more he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. That question, do you love me? The question and how you and I answer that in our, our own lives is an important piece to your puzzle. I want to do some background research this morning. Next Sunday's Palm Sunday, signifying Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And Monday, Monday, April 10th, is Passover. The Monday of Holy Week is where the pieces of Jesus' puzzle started coming together. In John 12, 1, he tells us that John arrived in Bethany six days before the Passover. The Passover is celebrated by the Jews because if you remember the Old Testament, God sent Moses down into Egypt to bring his children home. And we know what happened. The Pharaoh didn't want to let him go, so God allowed these plagues to be put on the Egyptian people. And the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And God told the Israelites to take a lamb, and over the doorpost you put blood over that blood of the lamb. Because when the angel of death went through Egypt that night, if the angel saw blood on the doorpost, he went on, and nobody was affected in the land of Goshen. That's where the Jews lived in captivity. But in the Egyptian household... The scripture talks about great wailing throughout the land. Every firstborn animal, every firstborn child died that night. So that Passover, Passover meaning the angel of death passed over. So that's, that's, what, that's what this means. Huge celebration for the Jews. Jesus stayed at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus over the Sabbath. And on Sunday, the first day of the week, Jesus left Bethany with his disciples and walked the short distance to Bethpage, another small village located on the slope of the Mount of Olives that faced Jerusalem. At that point, Jesus got on a donkey with his disciples, disciples and started to run down the Mount of Olives toward the eastern entrance to the city of Jerusalem. The road was extremely crowded that day as hundreds of thousands, if not millions, according to the Roman historian Josephus, of pilgrims were flocking into the city to begin their celebration of the Passover season. So it was just a, a th huge throng of people. The Feast of Passover was the most important Jewish feast of the year, and it was one of three pilgrims. Pilgrims meaning a male Jew had to go to these. Passover, Pentecost, and Sukkot. They were required to attend in Jerusalem. Jews came from all over the world to attend the celebration. Passover was actually coupled with the Feast of Unleavened Bread and First Fruits, and all were celebrated in succession. So according to Exodus 12:3, on the tenth day of the first month in Nisan, every man was to select a lamb that would be the right size for his household to eat. The lamb was to be a year old male without blemish or defect. The family would keep the lamb until the 14th day, Exodus 12, 6, and then kill and eat the lamb that evening of the Passover meal. The day that the Israelites picked their lamb or their family lamb was known as Lamb Selection Day. It was a very festive day and would have been similar to us picking out the right size turkey for family, our family on Thanksgiving. So all the prick Pilgrims were anxiously making their way to the city to pick the lamb from the flocks that the Sadducees had bought from Bethlehem shepherds. On the very day the entire nation of Israel was picking their special lamb, Jesus rode into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover with his disciples. And by coming into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day, Jesus was saying in an unbelievable, symbolic way, I am going to be your Passover lamb, the lamb that will save you. Pick me, I'm going to be sacrificed for the sins of each of you. 
We wonder sometimes how we miss the facts. We skip over things. How we miss the fact that Jesus came into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day. The, the puzzle goes together. The, the, the answer probably lies in the fact that we don't know the Old Testament. We're not familiar with what's involved in the Jewish festival or feast of Passover. The lamb was killed on the evening of the 14th, which would have been on Thursday in the story of Jesus last week. We call that Maundy Thursday. By counting backwards to the 10th, we see that, in fact, it was on Sunday that the Israelites would have picked their lamb. This was no coincidence that Jesus came into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day to say, I am the Passover lamb. I will be the one that alone can save you from your sins. Jewish historians record that the lambs were brought from the fields of Bethlehem to the south up to Jerusalem and through the northeast gate of the city by the pool of Bethesda called the Sheep Gate. That, that's the way it looks today. Because the sheep of Bethlehem were owned by the Sadducees and only these sheep were allowed to be sacrificed at Passover because the Sadducees were making money off of these sheep so that the family could come with the instruction from Exodus 12. The lambs were chosen the afternoon of the ninth so that they would be with the family from the 10th, which began at sundown through the 14th. One reason, according to Jewish resources, was so this lamb could come into their house, that they would pet it, that they would love it. Because they were projecting the past sins for a year upon this one animal. It became like their pet. They was to care for it. They were to love it. I don't know a lot of us love animals. I've heard stories, and even myself been attached to animals, how you, how you get it. But knowing, you know, we, we have dogs for a while, and we have Maggie 10 years about kill me, put her down. I still cry about it. But it came on her kind of sudden. She got kidney cancer and whatever. But this lamb here, you knew that if it's in your house and you was loving on it, that in a few days it was going to be put to death and you was going to eat it. That, that, that's a whole different thing to me. And these were very special lambs. They had to be unblemished, no defects, no marks, perfect condition, male. And they had to be lambs from Bethlehem and Bethlehem only. So we start to put this picture together. Who else? was perfect. No marks, no blemishes. Who else was born in Bethlehem? You see the pieces kind of going together. We go back to G before Jesus' birth. Same puzzle, Luke 2, 8 through 12. That night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened, but the angel assured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby lying in a manger wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. King James Version says swaddling clothes. So such an announcement was a typical proclamation of the birthright of a child in a royal family. For Augustus Caesar himself, Emperor of Rome, was, had been called Savior at his birth. But while the announcement of Augustus' birth would have been first delivered to the members of the Roman Senate and other dignitaries, the privilege of hearing about Jesus' birth first was given to ordinary shepherds. Ordinary, but remember, these were Bethlehem shepherds, shepherds that raised the perfect lambs for all the Jews to sacrifice on Passover. So the angel gave him this sign about the Christ child. Where would they find him? In a manger. Bethlehem shepherds knew all about mangers. 
wrapped in swaddling clothes and strips of cloth. And they knew about swaddling clothes because the Sadducees would take their old priestly garments and give them to these shepherds, and these shepherds would cut them into swaddling clothes and strips of cloth to do what? When those lambs was born, they wrapped them lambs in those swaddling clothes because they didn't want any blemishes or marks to be on them. So you see how all this fits together. We see the pieces of the puzzle coming together. Here's another piece of Jesus' puzzle which speaks to us. Among the occupations, shepherding had a lowly place. They were outcasts. They smelled like sheep. You've been around sheep, you know how they smell. They've got a whole different odor about them. So they were not allowed in the city and not trusted by the general public, for often they were thieves. Luke gave this story about the shepherds for a reason. Jesus would come not to the proud and the powerful, but to the outcasts and the humble, those considered last on the social list. To these men, God brought the first news of his son's arrival. So when it was time, the Bethlehem shepherds would drive thousands of unblemished lambs from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. It was 5.52 miles. Drive them to the temple. Entering the city through the sheep gate. This is the same gate that Jesus entered when he came in on Palm Sunday on Lamb Selection Day. And in the Jewish sacrificial system, you'd buy that lamb, you'd take it home and love it, and then the dad would bring it back. He'd have that lamb around his neck. He'd walk into the temple and he'd walk up to a priest, and that priest would look him in the eye and ask him, do you love your lamb? He had to convince that priest, because the priest asked him three times. He had to convince that priest that that family loved that lamb. And if he could not do that, he had to turn around and walk back with shame and humiliation through that crowd, because his lamb was rejected. That's an amazing thing to me. Do you love your lamb? I think in the priest's perception, how can this lamb take your sin if you don't love it? Do you love your lamb? Let's read that text again in this light. This is the resurrected Jesus in this text today, and he's challenging Peter. Jesus raises from the dead, and he's on the shore cooking breakfast for these guys, and Peter sees him, and he's impetuous, and he jumps in the water and swims in, gets there first. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. And feed my lambs, Jesus told him. I think Peter might have even had tears in his eyes. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Once more he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. How many times? Three times. You love your lamb, Peter? Remember, previously, Jesus was in Pilate's hall being interrogated and Peter was out among the fire. Somebody said, I think it was a woman. I said that because I have a woman's hearing aid in. But anyhow, hey, that's, this guy's a Jesus. And Peter swore and said, no, I, you know the story. He denied him three times. So Jesus was bringing that, 
bringing that back up again. Three times asked, Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. Then Peter answered, yes, Jesus told him to feed his sheep. It's one thing to say that we love Jesus. It is easy. It rolls right out of our mouth. We can say it 150 times a day. But do you really? Do your actions prove it? You love your lamb? How diligent are you learning his word, obeying it? Do you love your lamb? How much time you spend in conversation with him? Do you love your lamb? Do you know the gift or gifts that God supernaturally has placed into your life? Are, they, are they, you using them in your life? Is, is the fruit of the Spirit bubbling out of you? Have you walked this earth? That's how you answer the question, do you love your lamb? It, it has to be, it can't just be voice. It has to be action as well. And that's why Jesus was getting that with Peter. Peter's life changed when he finally realized who Jesus was and, he, and Jesus was asking him to commit his life. His occupation changed from fisherman to evangelist. His identity changed from impetuous to rock solid. And his relationship to Jesus changed from one who had denied him to one who was forgiven. And finally, the whole weight of forgiveness was upon Peter, and he grasped it. He finally understood the significance of Jesus' words about his death and resurrection. So I ask you people whom I love this question, very relevant. It's an important piece of our puzzle, yours and mine, and how you answer it affects how you finish that puzzle. And I ask you, as Jesus challenges, do you love your lamb? It's evident People see it in your life. The one who gave his life and suffered and shed that precious blood so you can be redeemed and get off scot-free. No one else offers anything like that. The church is the only organization in the world that has grace on tap as well, and it's because of Christ. Do you love him? Do you? Has he become an intricate part of your family? He should be because he paid for your sins past, present, and future. And I pray that... Like Peter, you're doing something about it, that you're, you're serving him. And Jesus knows that we love him by the way that we act. The writers of the New Testament certainly got the message. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Hebrews 7, 27, He sacrificed for sins once for all when he offered himself. Hebrews 9, 28, Christ was sacrificed to take away the sins of many people. John the baptizer said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Peter in 1 Peter 1.19 says, You redeem with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or spot. And in the book of Revelation, 20 times or more, it refers to Christ as the Lamb. Revelation 5.6 says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. Have you proved your love for Christ? Do you love your lamb? Or maybe that piece of your puzzle is still missing. Lord, we love you, and we realize that uh, our lives sometimes get a little crazy. The time the old feet hit the floor of that bed, your head hits the pillow when you go to bed at night, we've crammed a lot of things in there. It's almost like a whirlwind or chaos. But Lord, we've got we've to, in the midst of all that, Insanity sometimes. We've got to find time for you, and we've got to do that. So right now, Father, I just pray that as you speak to us, Holy Spirit, that we might examine our hearts. And as we look at them, we might find that you're not there. 
If that be the case, Lord, we invite anybody to, to come and accept you this morning. And Lord, if all we do is say we love you and we really don't back that up, we need to pray about that as well. And we need to obey your Holy Spirit and the direction that you want to take us. So right now, Father, I give you all the praise and the glory for who you are. Just help us to be honest and open with you, for we ask in the name of Christ. Amen.